Welcome to Catholic Answers Live. David Matheson, fundraising director here at Catholic Answers, sitting in for Cy Kellett. Cy is, I, I believe, in the great north. I think he's in yes, North he Dakota. Is. Fargo. Freezing! And, yeah, yeah no, <laughs> no kidding. And I think he may be on his way back today. I can't remember exactly what his schedule was, but he will be yes. back in this chair soon. In the meantime, he has given me the privilege of sitting in for a couple of hours with you folks. I thank you for joining us today for two hours of the, the, the best show on Catholic Radio. We are all about evangelization. We are all about apologetics. We are all about spread, spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to those uh, who have already heard it and also those who have not yet heard it and everything in between. Uh, we have got two hours of open forum this afternoon. My guest second hour is going to be veteran apologist Tom Nash. You might know Tom's name, especially if you were a President's Circle member here at Catholic Answers as a supporter of ours. Tom is the dedicated apologist to that group, in addition to many other things that he does with us and outside of Catholic Answers. But that is hour two. Hour one, I am blessed to have with me my good friend, veteran, senior apologist, Tim Staples, author of Behold Your Mother, uh, a common uh, frequent writer on Catholic.com, frequent speaker across America, uh, all-star Catholic convert from uh, the Church of God and, and other places. Assembly of God. Assembly, uh, Assembly of God. And, <laughs> and other places. And other places, right? I got yes. that part right. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Tim is here in the studio and sitting next to me today. Welcome, Tim. Hey. Good to see you. It is great to be with you. It is a great day to be Catholic. And I want to mention also, I have a conference coming up in Aliso Viejo here locally, so check it out, guys. And go to, if you're in the area, Orange County, Southern California, and if you're not, we'll get in the area. But Aliso <laughs> Viejo, but check out at, it's, let's make sure I get this right, CatholicAnswersSpeakers.com, mm -hmm. right? That's correct. Yep, yep. That's make plural. sure you include the S's. That's yep, right. Yep. CatholicAnswersSpeakers.com. Also, we have a really exciting conference coming up in April, and that's in, you had it. That is in Independence, Ohio, right outside of Cleveland. That's right. A lot of listeners on the rock up there in Cleveland. Yeah, and it's going to be a marriage conference. Big conference. It's going to be exciting. And I'm going to be speaking with my wife. Val and I are going to tag team uh, talking about the sacrament of holy matrimony. So I am really excited about this. We've done this a couple of times before, but it's been a long time. And so... Um, get ready, folks. My wife is dangerous. I tell you, she is really uh, raring to go on this. I don't know how dangerous she is, but she will certainly outshine you. Tim yes, Staples. she will. <laughs> that is no doubt. That's for uh, sure. No, but her her presentation, <laughs> she's been working on it, and it's uh, it's r really cool. And I'm going to be doing masculine and feminine spirituality and the importance thereof. So. It's going to be a great conference. Yep. So that is at the Holiday Inn in uh, Convention Center, I believe, in Independence, Ohio. I think it's just south of Cleveland. Again, our yes. listeners there on the Rock will certainly uh, remember or certainly know where that is located. And I believe it's April the 20th April is the 20th. date that you'd want to have in mind. But once again, if you want to see where Tim is going to be, you want to see where Joe Heschmeyer, Cy Kellett, uh, um, Trent Horn is going to be, you can always go to Catholic Answers Speakers, all one word, yes. dot com. Click on that calendar button 
and you will see, uh, I think it's things are booked out three, even four months out, so you can see where they're going to be. The other great thing about CatholicAnswerSpeakers.com is you can arrange for Tim Staples to come to your parish. Um, there are details there. Uh, it'll show you how to reach out to Jen Phelps, who coordinates all of this uh, at the parish level or the That's conference right. level, about getting our speakers on the agenda of your conference or getting them into your parish to have face-to-face interactions, which is really, it's Tim Staples' bread and butter. Right, Tim? I mean, yeah. that's, that's where you kind of I just built your apologetics career, and you're very good at it. I really did, and I, there's nothing that I would rather do except perhaps one-on-one in the office just sharing the faith. You know, we do that all the time yeah. here at Catholic Answers. A lot of folks don't know that, you know, Dave, that we have office meetings. Folks will come by. You know, we've talked to pastors and you know, individual Christians, it doesn't mm-hmm, matter, mm-hmm. Uh, members of other world religions, you name it. Come by San Diego, man. We are easy to find, you know, and we do love sitting down with the folks. And, and that's one of the blessings about going to parishes is it's that smaller, intimate, you know, you, you can have events with as few as like 200 people or, or even less at times. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I've spoken to venues of 40,000. That was my biggest. Yep. And 20,000 and 10,000 and such. But I got to tell you, Dave, I really, I, I'm not putting down the 40,000, 20, we'll, we'll do it. Absolutely. But there is something special about the small event, 100 people, because you get to do Q&A and talk with folks. It becomes a little bit more intimate. So we're here for you, folks, and we love to come. In fact... Bring me on over. You get some good fried chicken. I'll come to the house. (laughs) (laughs) Not only get to see him up on stage, but get to have him at your at your dinner table if you if you serve the right food. So that's 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 my guy, Tim Staples. Hey, the number to call is 888-318-7884. 888-318-7884. The lines are just starting to fill up now. we got a couple of them that are still open. All right. So again, it is an open forum today. Give us a call if you've got any question about the Catholic faith. You can be a Catholic, you can be a non-Catholic, a non-Christian. You want to call in and say, hey, why do Catholics believe that? Or I, I thought Catholic, I, I thought the church taught this. Is that true? Um, or you just, uh, you have an objection to the faith. You say, uh, you Catholics, you believe this, and, and I'm not on board with that. We want to talk to you today. Again, the number to call is 888-318-7884. Tim, if you're ready, we'll go ahead and take a call here before this first break. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. Let's go to Bill in Tampa, Florida. Bill is watching on YouTube. Bill, go right ahead with your question. Thank you very much, guys. You bet. Um, I have a simple question. I was wondering if there was any independent sources that recorded the killing of the innocent. What do you mean that recorded? I'm not sure I understand the question. Is the Holy Innocents? Oh, the Holy Innocents. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not that I am aware of, uh, of course, the, the one biggie, of course, being the New Testament, so we believe it happened. But not that I'm aware of. I, it, it's been a while since I looked into that. I, I think there are some sources that may have hinted at it. But we have to remember, uh, but that, that's the best I can do right now. But we have to remember, when we talk about the slaughter of the innocents, we're talking about a very small town of Bethlehem with very few uh, population. So, you know, sometimes I think the way it's portrayed, 
especially in the media and among those who who are critiquing Christianity. It's as if we're claiming, you know, thousands were slaughtered. But actually, you're talking about a town that probably had a few hundred people. And so you're, you're talking about a, a, a very small number of children who were slaughtered. That's not to minimize the devastation, of course. They were slaughtered because of the attempt to, to kill our blessed Lord. But at the same time, it's not a surprise. It's not like this would have been on the front page in the, uh, the Gazette of Rome. I'm joking, of course, but you know, it, it wouldn't have been huge news in the, in the first century. So it's not a surprise if there's not anything outside of Scripture to corroborate it. What do you think, Bill? All right. Thank you very much. All you right, bet. brother. All right. Thanks for calling in, Bill. We've, uh, with that uh, call wrapped up, we've got uh, another open line here. The number to call, 888-318-7884. That is the number. The topic today is open forum. Anything you want to talk about regarding the Catholic faith, Catholic, non-Catholic, uh, you want to talk uh, about uh, objections to the faith, then give us a call right now. Again, 888-318-7884. Let's take our first break of the first hour. We'll be right back after this. Catholic Answers Live. Do you have a question but prefer to ask it privately? Catholic Questions can help. Go to catholicquestions.com to ask your question online, email us, drop us a letter, or give us a call. Longtime Catholic Answers Live apologist and author Jim Blackburn or another Catholic Questions apologist will be happy to assist you. Catholic Questions proudly supports Catholic Answers Live. So visit us at catholicquestions.com today. That's catholicquestions.com. EWTN, teaching the truth. Oh my, you know what? She was put in the right place at the right time with the right people, and it just exploded from there. Thank God. I, I listen to EWTN, and you guys are on my radio, on my phone, 18 hours out of 24, and the TV is off. I just love your program. I, I wanted to tell you guys that the Catholic Radio is just the greatest thing in my life. Welcome back to Catholic Answers Live. David Matheson here at Catholic Answers sitting in for Cy Kellett, who is on the road as we speak uh, up in the great north there in North Dakota. In fact, Fargo, North Dakota is where he was last night. My guest today, uh, one hour, two hours of open forum. The first hour is with senior apologist here at Catholic Answers, Tim Staples. And Tim, you had a a brief follow-up on the last question about the holy innocence from Bill. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, Bill, that it had been a while since I had looked into the numbers there, but... Most likely, I mentioned a few hundred, most likely it would have been a few thousand people who lived in Bethlehem at the time of Christ, uh, according to historians, scholars, not just Christians. Um, So with between, let's say, two and three thousand people in Bethlehem in the first century, you know, you're talking about 30 or 40 probably that would have been slaughtered in the uh, slaughter of the Holy Innocents, which... Now, it's not to minimize, it's a horrible slaughter, as, as I mentioned before, as Dave was talking about during the break, you know, this is definitely reminiscent of our own culture and the slaughter of holy innocence that goes on every day with abortion and now with more and more people actually clamoring for infanticide even after the birth 
which is you know unthinkable. Well, that's what was going on here. So you're talking thirty or forty people, which it's prophesied, you know, in Jeremiah, and it's it it's uh, of course recorded in sacred scripture. So it's it's a true event. But for those who are skeptical and saying, you know, I'm not buying this that it ever happened, it's not a, a surprise that it wouldn't have been reported outside of the community because of the fact that we're talking about such a small town. So that was the main point I wanted to make. Very good. Thank you, Tim. And thank you, Bill, for your call getting us started today. Let's keep on rolling. Let's go to Todd in South Carolina. He is also watching on YouTube. Go right ahead, Todd. Hey, how's it going, guys? Big fan of the show. Longtime donator. Um, Appreciate it. So uh, my friends go to a uh, church where the pastor has been doing a homily series where he's saying that uh, not only does the church prefer that you go to Mass on Sunday rather than Saturday evening, uh, but he was saying that it's actually an abuse of going to the Saturday evening Mass oh unless, you have, hmm. unless you have an excuse. Like, let's say you uh, work on Sunday and, and you've tried everything with your boss and, and they say, no, you can't have off on Sunday, then... Uh, you know, it's okay to go on Saturday evening, but you really should have an excuse like that to go. And he stopped short of calling it sinful. Um, This is a Catholic priest we're talking about? (laughs) Is this a Catholic Catholic priest? priest, It is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that that simply isn't true. Um, The idea of the vigil goes back as far as you want to go in the early church. Of course, when I'm talking about the Easter vigil and the Midnight Mass, uh, goes back hundreds of years, uh, the Easter Vigil, w- w- over a thousand years. And so the idea of well, the and vigil— Well, I want to say, if I could, yeah. if yeah. I could he, he differentiated between a vigil and an anticipatory mass mm-hmm. of Saturday mm-hmm. evening. Right, but, right. But, but anyway, go ahead. Sure, yeah. but uh, again, that's the, the concept. It is a vigil mass because of the fact yeah. that— when it comes to the liturgy, we are very Jewish in the way we think of our days. And the reason why the vigil, the vigil mass was considered so sacred and such is because we really do consider that a Sunday mass, because Sunday begins at four, you know, depending upon the, the, the law uh, at, as you interpret it, but roughly 4 p.m. That's Sunday, and and there is no stipulation in the law that one is lesser than the other, and and Sunday, the actual twenty four hour period has a sort of ascendancy. No, you you can go to the Saturday vigil mass. You don't have to have an excuse because it is just the same as going to a Sunday mass. So what I always do in those situations is I just ask. I would uh, go to the priest and say, could you document that for me? Because, you know, I have questions Mm -hmm. from my family and such, and and I want to give them a a document from the church as to why you can only go to a Saturday uh, evening Mass if you can't get to a Sunday Mass. And he's not going to be able to do it because it doesn't exist. But that's a way to sort of innocently, without saying, hey, Father, you're wrong, I'm going to— just ask for clarification. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, I mean, he he stopped short of calling it a sin. You know, it, it does fulfill the Sunday obligation, but you know, mm-hmm. it was just the idea that uh, that perhaps people weren't celebrating uh, or keeping holy Sunday if they went mm. to Saturday mass and. Right, uh, right. Maybe he was just taking it a bit too far, but I just yeah. want to clarify. So yeah, you. he certainly was taking it uh, too far because going to, and of course he would acknowledge going to a vigil mass like Christmas and Easter, he, as, as you said, acknowledges, he claims that's different, but the principle is there. You are meeting your uh, obligation to go to mass on a Sunday or in that case a holy day by going to the vigil. That's something that goes back even before the time of Christ. So, you know, I mean, the concept of our day's beginning. Now, the church doesn't use that all of the time, the the vigil concept, but she certainly does when it comes to Sunday Mass as well as uh, Mass on Holy Days of Obligation. So thanks for your call, brother. Yeah, thank you, Todd. We appreciate that from uh, South Carolina. And I, t- I think, Tim, in this situation, that you know, there is a, there's a difference, obviously, between personal preference and what yeah. the church is actually teaching. And I know we, exactly. we, we do all we can. Every, we, I'll even make it stronger than that. We, we, we really do all we can to teach what the church teaches and not let a lot of personal preference come into what we're trying, our explanations. It goes back to Carl Keating. And yes. what, what did he say? Teach what the church, church teaches, nothing more, nothing less. That's right. So uh, we try our best. He gave me, a, a, he, he and Jimmy together, when I first came to Catholic <laughs> Answers almost 20 years ago, he said, uh, and it was Carl who said it, he said, Tim, we just want you to know we are about Catholic answers, not Tim Staples answers, <laughs> but Catholic answers. And yeah. so, and he gently, or not so gently, said, now, if you give opinions, of course, we, we will from time to time. Of course. You state, this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, I took that to heart from day one, and I always have. And that's why I will always say when, when I'm giving an answer, now, the Catholic Church doesn't have a magisterial position on this, and so in my opinion, or I'll cite a father of the mm-hmm. church or something like that. So thanks, Carl. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And again, of course, the church does give a lot of leeway in, in many, many situations for personal opinion. That's you know, right. A lot of guide rails or guardrails there, but a lot of room in between on, on many topics. Let's keep on rolling here. Let's go to Ricky in Bellevue, Bellevue, Nebraska. He is listening or watching on Catholic.com. Go right ahead, Ricky. Do we got Ricky? How do you as a Catholic... Oh, here we go. Hello? Sorry, Ricky, we we just missed the very beginning. Go right ahead. Oh, no, you're good. I I said good evening. Ah, Good evening to you. All right. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Tim, uh, my question is, how do you as a Catholic understand um, the concept um, in John 2023 of retaining sins? I understand the Catholic idea of the Lord Jesus breathing on the apostles and then given this... um, I don't want to say ability, but authority maybe right. might be a better uh, word to use in regards to forgiveness of sin. But I've never actually heard anybody talk about the idea of retaining sins. Yes. Um, could you maybe speak to that a little bit? Because I'm, I'm struggling with this idea because we're, you know, based on the Lord's Prayer, we're always really to be forgiving. So why would there be an instance where a priest or a bishop or someone would have to retain sins? Right, right. Uh, really important question, brother. And the, the Catechism of the Catholic Church in section 1445 gives the Catholic position on this when it says, and I'm going to quote it for you here, Christ, 
let's see here. The words bind and loose mean, and I don't know about you, Dave, but yeah. I love it when the church does that. <laughs> you know, when the church says, the words bind and loose mean this. Yep. <laughs> and colon, whomever you exclude from your communion will be excluded from communion with God. Whomever you receive anew into your communion, God will welcome back into his. Reconciliation with the church is inseparable from reconciliation with God. That's a beautiful and succinct way to put it. Now, that's specifically referring to Matthew 16, 18, and 19, and Matthew 18, 18, the idea of binding and loosing. However, the church uh, acknowledges that binding and loosing not only deals with you know, issuing definitive statements on matters of faith and morals, but it also pertains to the forgiveness of sins, both in confession and uh, with indulgences. And so when we talk about retaining sins, it's just like whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. That language indicates that God, uh, our blessed Lord, Jesus Christ, Almighty God, has given to the church his authority to either allow or admit someone into communion with the church and therefore with Jesus Christ, or to exclude them. And there's various ways she does that. But in John 20, 21 through 23, that has been infallibly interpreted by the church, the the, uh, the uh, Council of Trent, Um to refer to the sacrament of confession. And so there in particular, he says, whoever sins you forgive are forgiven, which means that if you go to confession with a validly ordained priest who has faculties from the local bishop to hear your your confession and absolve you of sins, whoever sins he absolves. That is Christ, of course, absolving through him. But the priest has the authority to do it. And what's implied here, and and what the the church teaches, is that you have to confess your sins in order for him to be able to forgive them. Because if you don't confess them, how does he know to be able to forgive your sins? And to, in the case of uh, a mortal sin, to readmit you into communion with the church, which means communion with Jesus Christ. And on on the flip side... Whoever sins you retain are retained refers to the fact, let's say, for example, a guy comes in and confesses adultery. And then the priest says, you know, he hasn't heard him actually say he's sorry for his sins. So the priest uh, asks the question, well, are you sorry for your sins? And he goes, oh, no, Father. In fact, hurry up and absolve me because my adulteress is waiting for me outside in the car. <laughs> you know, as well, Father's going to have to put the brakes on right there and say, I'm hmm. sorry, I cannot absolve you. Because without repentance, the sacrament would be invalid. And by the way, if the guy lies and says yes when he's really not sorry, the priest will go ahead and absolve him, but that absolution would be ineffectual because the same principle applies. Without repentance, the sacrament is ineffectual. You can fool the priest, but you can't fool God. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was actually going to give a ask a specific example of somebody going into confession and, and the priest having that ability. So if, if someone is actually penitent for that adultery or anything like that, the priest could have no grounds to actually retain that sin. Correct. 
Correct. And if he were to retain, he'd have some answering to do to his bishop. He wouldn't be a priest for very long. The, the confession, uh, the confessional is a very, very sacred place for we Catholics, and bishops do not mess around when it comes to that sacrament. God okay. bless you. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate All it. Right. Thank you, Rick. We appreciate it. Uh, we're coming up down to the bottom of the hour. We've got a break coming up. But well, let's go ahead and go to Bob in Oxnard, California, listening on the Catholic Answers Live app. Go right ahead, Bob. If Protestants are right that Catholics corrupted the Church as early as the 4th century, then how did Jesus fulfill God's covenant with David that his son would have an everlasting dynasty? Amen. You just put the, the unanswerable question to our Protestant friends. That's one I had to answer. But, you know, basically, Bob, you're right on. The, the idea of apostolic succession is so foundational, not only to Scripture, you know, of course, because Jesus established the Church, as you're right, a reestablishment of the Davidic covenant where 2 Samuel seven fourteen right, the son of David would, uh, would, uh, would be there forever till the end of time. And in the context of the new covenant kingdom, Matthew's gospel especially, we have basically the reestablishment of the Davidic kingdom and the, all those Davidic prophecies fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And if that's true, well, then, of course, there has to be successors in the Davidic kingdom just as there was in the Old Testament. That was a huge problem for me in my own odyssey to the Catholic Church, because no matter what the denomination is, there are Protestants who say that, you know, the Catholic Church faltered at this or that stage. In fact, the great uh, Dr. R.C. Sproul acknowledged the Catholic Church was the true church up until the 16th century when they lost it on justification and now the protestants you know are the true church which is absurd because then the the davidic prophecies would be phony and we'd be out to lunch coming up at the bottom of the hour catholic answers live why we're catholic is the one book you can hand to anyone to invite them into or back to the catholic faith with more than 400,000 copies sold, Trent Horn's book has had a number one ranking on Amazon.com for five years running. Now available in softcover, bulk cases, ebook, and on Audible. Find out what the excitement is all about. Order your copies of Why We're Catholic at shop.catholic.com or visit whywearecatholic.com. As we read the Gospels, every Christian faces the question again and again, what does Jesus mean? Getting the answer right is critical to both growth in holiness and fruitful evangelization. Want to know Jesus better so you can introduce him to your friends? Then it's time to get serious about understanding his words. Why not join Catholic Answers for our 10th annual Apologetics Conference? Learn from me the parables, sermons, and conversations of Jesus Christ. September 26th through 29th, right here in sunny San Diego. Learn from our guests, Dr. Scott Hahn and Kimberly Hahn. Dr. Ray Garendi, Father Sebastian Walsh, Billy Junker, Father Paul Check, and of course, all of your favorite Catholic Answers apologists. It'll be four days of fun, faith, fellowship, and a live radio show. Seats are still available, but going fast to visit CatholicAnswersConference.com or call 1-888-291-1111. 
800-800-8000 today. Our Lord needs articulate defenders of the truth to spread the joy of the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Monthly Giving Club, Society 315, helps you fulfill the call in 1 Peter 3.15 to always be prepared to make a defense for the hope that is in you. For as little as $10 a month, you'll help Catholics grow in faith, bring lapsed Catholics home, and lead non-Catholics to the truth. Go to casociety315.com and join today. Matt Swaim here. Tomorrow on the Sunrise Morning Show, we'll catch up with canon lawyer Father Philip Michael Tangora and get you all the latest news, weather, sports, and more. Now back to Catholic Answers Live. Welcome back to Catholic Answers Live. David Matheson sitting in for Cy Kellett this afternoon and glad to be here with you. We are halfway through hour one of two hours of Open Forum. Open Forum, of course, for our veteran listeners, know, you guys know that this means any question about the Catholic faith. You got an objection to the Catholic faith and you're a, not, you're a non-Catholic. You're a Catholic. You just want some clarification about what we believe uh, as, as committed Catholics within the Catholic Church. What does the Church say about this? What does the Church say about that? Uh, I'm struggling with this particular teaching. That's why we're here. We're here to clear up misconceptions, answer objections, do it all within a spirit of love and charity. And my guest, of course, this hour for Open Forum is Tim Staples with Tom Nash veteran apologist to follow in hour two. Before we get back to calls, I did want to just draw your attention. Um, every year, the last full weekend in September here in San Diego, technically La Jolla, there on the coast of San Diego, uh, San Diego County, we host the National Catholic Answers Conference. And that is coming up again this year. The title, the, uh, the theme of the conference is Learn From Me, mm. the Parables, Sermons, and Conversations of Jesus mm. Christ. The dates, this is the 10th time we've done this, Tim, and it is September 26th through 29th. We have another great roster of speakers that are coming. Dr. Scott Hahn is, is coming back again. He was yes. at our conference last year. What a treat. And this time around, he is bringing his lovely wife, Kimberly Hahn. The real power. There you go. Kimberly is also <laughs> speaking at the conference this year. In addition, we have Father Sebastian Walsh. We have Dr. William Yunker from the University of St. Thomas. And we've got some guy named Dr. Ray Garendi. Uh, I think you know Dr. Ray, don't you, Tim? Yes, get ready to laugh your head off. The man missed his calling. He should have been a stand-up comedian. I, I, I'm thinking you're right. I'm thinking you're right. But no, Dr. Ray is a great friend of ours, yeah, and we are excited guy. to have him. I think this will be his first time at the actual national conference. But you want to come. If you were to talk to anybody who's ever been to the Catholic Answers Conference, yeah. they will tell you it is a cannot miss. Amen. September 26th through 29th at the Hyatt Regency La Jolla at Aventine in La Jolla, California. Two ways that you can get more information. One, email conference at catholic.com. Call 619-387-7200. Or actually, there's three ways. You can go to catholicanswersconference.com. Circle it on your calendar. Go and buy your tickets now and come see us at the end of September for Learn From Me, the 2024 National Catholic Answers Conference. Let's get right back to calls. We're going to go to Todd in Jupiter, Florida. Go right ahead, Todd. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for the meeting. Yeah. Um, the question is about abortion. Uh, big topic today. Yes. Um, since the 
overturning of Roe v. Wade in America, which has criminalized abortion in multiple red states, uh, predominantly. Um, multiple media outlets have reported over 250,000 cases of rape in America. They have reported 64,000 cases of rape-induced pregnancies, including 26,000 rape-induced pregnancies in the great state of Texas. Um, with respect to abortion, uh, what is the Catholic Church's stance on rape-induced pregnancies right. or incest-induced pregnancies and also pregnancies uh, that are uh, threatening the life of the mother, is it proper, according to the Catholic Church, that uh, the victims ought to be punished in such a way as to bear the demon seed of the rapist or incestuous rapist, and that the life of the mother is insignificant and it's God's will that she should die with, say, a fetus with half a skull in her womb? Right. Great question. Very important question in our day and age. And we believe as Catholics that rape is not a sexual act at all. It's an act of violence against a woman. And so, of course, that is a grave sin. And so we in no way justify ever in any context something so heinous as rape. However, if there is a child conceived in the midst of that act of violence. What's very important to understand is the child is not a result of demon seed or anything like that, because we see that as repugnant in somehow casting aspersion on an innocent baby. Because once there is a conception, we're talking about a human being created in the image and likeness of God. And so we say, why would any reasonable person want to kill the innocent child, the one who is totally and entirely innocent in this matter? So the church says, no, you don't compound evil with more evil by killing the baby. Now, the rape, incest, and life of the mother, I know it has become such a talking point now. Uh, even, you know, Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter, it seems, today who it is. There's almost this go-to, well, I'm, I'm pro-life except for cases of rape, incest, and, and life of the mother. No, there's no except for, because once there is a conception, there is an innocent human being. Now, having said that, we cannot murder an innocent human being under any circumstances whatsoever. That is to directly will the death of an innocent human being. There are cases, now you mentioned a child that, that has uh, half a skull or something like that, that would not rise to the level of what I'm talking about here. We don't kill innocent human beings because they have a handicap or something like that. We see that too as absolutely repugnant because human beings have an intrinsic dignity that they possess simply because they are human beings, not because of what they can do for us, 
not because of you know what they can become or anything like that simply because of who they are as as human beings created in the image and likeness of God but now having said that we as Catholics understand as Pope St. John Paul the Great taught in his masterpiece Evangelium Vitae that's an encyclical letter on life where in section 73 of that document, he talks about the incremental approach to abortion. And what, what we mean by that is, even though we say abortion is repugnant, absolutely, it's murder, the killing of an innocent human being can never be justified in any context. That is the direct willing of uh, you know, the death of that innocent human being. We also recognize that we can take an incremental pr approach, which means as long as the politician involved makes it clear that he is against abortion absolutely, we can uh, work for and pass laws that are not perfectly pro-life, but let's say you're, you're in a country that has abortion absolutely through four months. Let's just say I'll throw that out. Mm -hmm. Well, if a law is presented that could reduce that to abortion only in cases of rape, incest, and life of the mother, we can vote for that, even though, of course, we acknowledge that the, the, the murders of those children is wrong, absolutely. We wouldn't be voting for the deaths of those innocent children. We would be voting to reduce the level of harm done. This is an important point for our all listeners, whether you're Catholic or not, because this is the moral position that we can all take. We're voting for reducing the harm. We would be limiting the deaths, not voting for death at all. And that's what John Paul meant by the incremental approach. I know, brother, I went beyond your question, but sometimes um, I anticipate the follow-up questions from our listeners, but I hope that makes sense to you. Just, well, I, if I may just say this quickly, mm -hmm. it just seems that you should ask victims of rape and incest and mothers who are going to die whether they would like to uh, bear a child and then give life to it and have no financial support for that and look into the eyes of their rapist child uh, for the rest of their lives. Okay, I mean, well, yeah. I think, I think you, that you're talking about two different things. I appreciate what you're saying, brother, but it's like I said before. I, let me just share an anecdote. I have a dear friend, my wife and I have a dear friend, who is the product of rape. And I will never forget, she's been to our house. I won't name her name right now, but she's been to our house. She's a dear friend. And she is grateful to God that her mother chose not, even though everyone around her was saying, kill this baby. You're going to have to look into the eyes of your rapist child for the rest of your life. She did the right thing and gave birth to this child. But you know what she did? She gave up the child for adoption. And she never met her child until like 30 years later, this woman, this friend of my wife and mine, decided she was gonna find her mother. And come to find out, her mother was raped at like 17 years old and got pregnant with her, 
was encouraged to kill her, but decided to do the right thing and gave birth to that child. And then about 30 years later, they were reunited. And that young girl ended up getting married later and had, I think, six or seven kids. And they have, I'm getting goosebumps right now because when she tells the story, there's not a dry eye in the house. When they embrace each other and she says to her mother, thank you for not killing me. Wow. <laughs> right? Wow. I mean, it's beautiful. And understand me, brother. I mean, I appreciate and I understand the passion of people saying, you know, you should talk to these women and ask them. But I think what we need to do really is encourage as a culture People that have been through great suffering, encourage them not to commit another evil in order to deal with the evil that had been done to them. That's what we need to teach people because we have the testimonies now of thousands upon thousands of women who regret their abortions, even some that have been raped and, and ha- realize oh my gosh, why did I kill my baby? It wasn't the baby's fault that his or her father raped her, his or her mother. It's simply not the baby's fault. And we cannot, I mean, and think about it, brother. You're talking about killing someone because of something somebody else did. And I think if as a culture, we encourage people as well as those mothers who have been victimized and such, we could have a much more humane and healing culture in general. Unfortunately, we have a culture of death. And I don't think since abortion became so, so popular with the advent of Roe v. Wade in 73, and thank God that's been overturned, but the culture it has left behind is still with us and we are still battling. The culture of death that we have created How's that working for everybody? We have a culture today where just turn on the news, my friends. The the murders in schools, young people turning to violence. We have a culture that has become so, so violent. Not that abortion is the sole cause. There are a lot more causes, but I'll guarantee you this. Killing 65 now, 66 plus million babies in the womb doesn't help anything. That continues the culture of death. So just something to think about. Give life a chance. Life and love can overcome any evil. Yeah, and Tim, having been to the March for Life multiple times myself in D.C., I I can tell you— my, my first time going, I, I never imagined I would, I would get a chance to meet some of these men and women who, uh, whose mothers were in those, uh, those terrible situations who chose life for them. And they're holding posters and saying, thank you, mom. Yes. Thank you. Um, and, and they're living their lives. And it's, it's such a beautiful, powerful thing. And yeah, thousands there are, of them. There are thousands. so many. They come to the March for Life every yeah. year to advocate for more moms making the same choice that theirs did. It's a beautiful thing Amen. in a very difficult, challenging, to put it mildly, situation. We Amen. don't discount that at all. So let's go ahead and take our last break of the first hour. It is an open forum with Tim Staples. Got several more calls up on the, on the board. We're going to try to get to as many of you folks as possible. If we don't get to you, stay on board because the next hour, Tom Nash is going to be coming up again, a second hour of open forum. We'll try to get your questions answered then. But in the meantime, we'll be right back after this. There's only one Catholic Answers Live. 
Underwriting for Catholic Answers Live is provided by Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. On the web at realestateforlife.org. One of the biggest mistakes a Christian can make is to try to do good without God's help. St. Therese said, when we trust only ourselves and not God, our soul becomes incapable of virtue. Her remedy, works of charity. And the greatest work of charity is to share the gospel. At St. Paul Street Evangelization, a Catholic nonprofit, we encourage you to share the gospel with someone who doesn't know Jesus. Catholic Answers is supported in part by St. Paul Street Evangelization. StreetEvangelization.com each weekday, we'll dive into the timeless teachings of our Catholic faith, drawing upon the wisdom of the ages to navigate the challenges of today. Together, we'll seek truth, find inspiration, and forge a deeper connection with God. I'm Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and I invite you to join me for Beacon of Truth, tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Answers Live. We're wrapping up hour one of two hours of open forum. Our guest this hour is Tim Staples, senior apologist here at Catholic Answers and the author of the, the, uh, perhaps the best book out there on Mary called Behold Your Mother. If you'd like to get a copy of that, go to shop.catholic.com. I don't know what they've got going on sales-wise at shop.catholic.com right now, but they've always got something going on. You can get a great bundle of a certain theme of book. You can get, it might be Tim Staples, Behold Your Mother. It's on sale right now. It might be Jimmy a-, a pack of Jimmy Aiken books that are on sale, but go there, check it out, look for the deals, and we would love to send you uh, send you some books published by the Great Catholic Answers Press. Uh, Tim, let's keep on rolling. We're going to go to Max. Max is in the great state of Maine and listening on the Catholic Answers Live app. Hey, hey uh, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, Tim, I am talking to a good Protestant friend uh, who's a co-worker. Uh, we talk almost daily about the differences between our faith. Yes. And uh, I'm Catholic, he's Protestant, and um, I will frequently bring up the witness of the early fathers uh, who appear to me to be more Catholic than Protestant, and I will point that out to him. Yes. And his answer in general is that um, he has this theory that, and he says this is held by um, many other Protestants, although not all, that the early church had a doctrinal uh, apostasy, so to speak, very early after the death of the apostles, and that it was the reformers who brought the church back to the faith. Right. And I found this remarkably unconvincing. And the argument that he gave was twofold. He said, well, look in the New Testament, uh, St. Paul is frequently correcting many errors within the churches. Yes. Uh, so you have error even within the time of the apostles, Amen. which I grant. And he said, um, look at the Old, uh, the Old Testament. Uh, you frequently see God's people falling away again and again and again. Yes. So um, as I said, I'm not convinced, but yes. um, I would just like to hear how you would answer that uh, particular objection to the Father's sure. testimony. Yeah, in fact, we talked with a caller earlier about this very point, but let me just fast forward to the end. <laughs> rather than going through the whole thing from the beginning. Um, clearly, the Bible simply cannot be any more plain that Jesus Christ gave the answers. Jesus, in other words, 
when Jesus Christ walked this earth, he didn't give people... You know what? This is what I think uh, the Old Testament teaches. And, you know, here's my opinion. But if you disagree, you can go and start your own church. I mean, we all agree. Of course not. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Right? If you reject me, says Jesus, you reject my Father. Well, what does Jesus do? That is the one who has all authority in heaven and earth, who speaks the word of God. He communicates that authority to the apostles, and so radically so that he could say in Luke 10, 16, if they hear you, they hear me. If they reject you, they reject me. And if they reject me, they reject my father. So notice, just as Jesus had authority to speak with the authority of the father, he says the apostles are going to speak with my authority. So if you reject them, you reject the father. Now, what do we see happening? Now, let, let me add one more little point to this, and that is that Jesus didn't just establish 12 dudes and some deacons and such. He established a church, and that church is hierarchical. That speaks for him. So the, the apostolic authority is communicated in the context of a church, and that's why Jesus would say prophetically, in Matthew 18, 15 through 18, it says, and I quote, If your brother shall offend against thee, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. If he will not hear you, take one or two with you, that in the mouths of two or three witnesses every word may be established. If he will not even hear them, tell it to the church. And the one who fails to hear the church is to be as a heathen and a publican. Notice, Jesus doesn't say, if you have arguments, if you have disagreements, of course you're going to have disagreements. Jesus promised us in Matthew 24, verses 1 and 2, there will come false prophets and false teachers. Peter talks about it as well in 2 Peter chapters 1 and 2. And we could go through a, a, a host of texts of Scripture that say, yes, there's going to be false teachers. We have false teachers that are mentioned as you mentioned in the New Testament. But here's the bottom line. Jesus had already given the answer as to how you deal with those situations. What, what did he say? Well, you try to deal with the individuals, but if you can't settle it, you tell it to the church. And the church, and this is a very important point you want to communicate, the church has the final say. Not sacred scripture, I'm sorry. Not according to Jesus. Now, of course, Scripture is the inspired word of God. But the point is, what happens when you disagree about what Scripture says? Jesus knew that was coming. He's too smart <laughs> to just say, oh, it's just the Scripture alone. Well, what happens when you argue and you disagree? Well, Jesus tells us. You tell it to the church. And that's what we see in the book of Acts, isn't it? In Acts chapter 15, if you read the whole chapter, down to chapter 16, verse 4. What you discover is exactly what Jesus described for us. I described uh, for you, using the words of Jesus, what happened in the early church. We had a case where you had a, a heretical group that were, we call them Judaizers today, but they're described for us in Acts 15, verse 1. There were certain brethren of the sect of the Pharisees who believed that came down from Judea and taught the brethren that unless you be circumcised after their manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas, now this is an important point. 
When Paul and Barnabas had no small disputation with them, they determined to send up to the apostles and elders to consider this question. Notice Paul and Barnabas, Dave, they couldn't settle the question in Antioch. So what do they do? Well, they got their Bibles out and argued. No! (laughs) They went up to Jerusalem. And the first council was called, and the church declared on the matter, headed by Peter, St. James also giving his pastoral input, and then a decree was written up, and you, you, you can actually read a snippet of it in Acts 15, verses 24 through 28. Read a snippet of what was decided, and then in chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, that decree, and I mentioned this earlier in the hour, it's actually the Greek word there is dogmata. The dogmata was sent to the various troubled churches, and the answers came. My friend, this is not sola scriptura. This is the Catholic Church. This is the way the Catholic Church has operated for 2,000 years. Of course, we use sacred scripture. Scripture is the Word of God, along with sacred tradition. But without the church to give us the proper interpretation of what scripture and tradition are, and indeed to even help us to understand what scripture is to start with when there was disagreement over which books of the Bible were supposed to be books of the Bible, what do you have? You have the church. My brother, let me tell you, this was the first and most important issue in my own odyssey to the Catholic faith. You want to preach this from the rooftops, my friend, because I believe if Catholics, if you and I will get a hold of this truth, we could bring millions of our Protestant friends and more back to the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we alone possess as Catholics. Max, thank you for the call. Stay on the line. Uh, Edgar, our call screener, is going to take your information, and we want to send you a book published by Catholic Answers Press called The Apostasy That Wasn't. Uh, I read this several years ago. It's a great book. It's an easy read. Give you a lot of great information. Rod Bennett is the author, but Apostasy That Wasn't. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, Hang on the line. Edgar's going to take your information. Uh, we got limited time. We're going to go to Gerardo in San Antonio, Texas, listen on Guadalupe Radio. Ask your question as quick as you can, Gerardo, and Tim's going to give you an answer before we fade out here. Go right ahead. Yes, quickly. Thank you very much. Quickly, quickly. Yes, uh, yes. Tim, I'm very grateful for you still being with us after that. Uh, My stroke? To you a couple, My stroke. A couple of years ago. So yes. I'm very grateful to, to have, still have you. Me Wait, too. Real quick. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So um, in, in, in Matthew 16, 24, Christ uh, said, um, uh, pick up your cross. Pick up cross and follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. Yes. So what did the audience think about that? They were like, a, a cross? You mean the, the church? The church ah, the church yeah. I got gotcha, you, Gerardo. You know what? Here's the key, my, my friend. The Romans had already mastered and perfected crucifixion long before Christ. We have historical documents to back that up. They knew exactly what he was talking about. And of course, Jesus had just, you're talking about Matthew 16, 24. He had just a few verses earlier prophesied that he was going to suffer and die at the hands of the Gentiles. So he knew he was going to be crucified. They all knew what crucifixion was. So it absolutely makes sense. All right. Thank you, Gerardo. We'll be right back after this. Thanks for a great hour, Tim. Tom Nash coming up. 